0: We've talked about this before on the show. There is a strength and a physical side of sports, and then there's the mental side of sports. But it's funny because a lot of programs, a lot of teams and whatnot, they have strength and conditioning coaches, but they don't necessarily focus on the mental conditioning or the sports psychology side of things uh, for the mental health aspect of their athletes. Today, we're bringing on an expert in this field, and she's going to be breaking down some things for us today, uh, sharing her knowledge, her expertise, her experiences with us here, on the Game Time Guru. So, what time
1: is it? Game Time!
0: This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you, as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Excited to be here with you guys today. Get a couple of the housekeeping items out of the way right now. I just want to say thank you to all the listeners out there. Uh, It's because of you guys that we've grown to the the extent that we have. 92 different countries, 72,000 downloads in the last five years. And it's due in large part to everybody who's taken part. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been a long-time listener, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for the support. For those who have followed me on social media, thank you. Um, I just love the the audience that we've been able to build here, the people who interact, um, and it's it's all you guys. So thank you guys so much for uh, being part of it. If you haven't done so already and you have an iPhone or an Apple device, go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That helps the show get out to more people. I think it's, uh, for those in the podcast world, it's not a secret by now that reviews help more than anything um, in regards to getting the growth of the show out there. It helps the algorithms. There's no secret there. I don't hide that. I think that re- reviews are super important. So if you guys haven't done so already, please leave me a review and uh, let you let us know what you think of this episode after you get done listening to this interview. So speaking of, I want to introduce our guest. This is going to be an amazing um, opportunity to learn about the mental health aspect of, of sports and, and mental health in general. Um, it's a huge topic that I've talked about a couple of times on the show. Uh, Trevor Mowad was on the show, a couple of different people who kind of speak about the mental aspect of things. And today we're bringing on an expert. This is Lisa Bontasumi. And uh, Lisa, you're a private practice therapist to elite athletes in what, California and Nevada, if I'm not mistaken? Correct. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And so you've got some experience here in the sports world. So first off, Lisa, thank you so much for joining the show and, and taking the time to, to talk with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I think the conversation, we can't talk about it enough. And the more and more people, you know, get to listen and learn and hear about mental health and sport performance, I think it's it's a great opportunity. So thank you for allowing me to be here with you.
0: Oh, absolutely. There there are so many roads we could go down here in regards to getting started. So I'll I'll kind of first off, I want to get to know you a little bit better. So let's let's rewind the clock a tad, Lisa, and and talk to me about um when you made the decision in your life to go down this this career path where you thought this would be you know, impactful because nowadays it is super important and it's becoming more and more prevalent in sports and in society. Like mental health is a big deal that we need to be putting a big focus on and and having the resources necessary. But when in your life did you decide like, hey, I want to go down this path and help these people?
1: No, it's a great question. I mean, I think that this stat is interesting. About 80 to 90% of those of us in this, in the psychological clinical social work field have had our own experiences um, with mental health challenges, whether ourselves or in our family, and it's an opportunity to um, continue to like to give back because we've got help along the way. Um, I've been doing this for over 20 years, working working in the mental health field as a licensed clinician. Um, and, you know, my background is, you know, my, my family, my mom's an immigrant from the Philippines. My, mom, my dad was the first of his family to ever go to college. And there's what's called intergenerational trauma on both sides trauma that they've experienced, um, and then didn't know how to access the resource or even know how it impacts each other, themselves, and their family. So I was kind of like the counselor in my family. I was a counselor to my peers. Um, When I discovered that, whoa, I can talk and listen and help people for a living, I was like, what? Like, that's awesome. I want to do that. So I went straight from undergrad to graduate school. It was like a little bit of a six-month break and been doing this since I was young in my mid 20s so when i pivoted recently in the last three years to work exclusively with athletes and teams it was inspired by my daughter who's a 14 year old high level softball player here in california and she struggled with anxiety at, at the plate um negative thoughts um not believing in herself um overthinking stuff that really impact her ability to perform in the physical way me and my husband knew how knew she could right so i was like wait a minute he's a therapist too which is also kind of hilarious and funny people tell me but um we both helped her with some cognitive behavioral techniques and skills to help her manage that sort of performance anxiety the negative thoughts and then i was like wait a minute she can't be the only young female athlete, the only athlete, the only female ever to feel this stuff. And so I went back to school after 20 years um, to pick up the skills um, of the sport performance side. Um, And it's funny, our children teach us things that sometimes we don't even want to know about ourselves. So she got me back in contact with my own sort of athletic identity and my own trauma around being injured and not having anyone to really support me with the physical and emotional aspect of that. So that's kind of how I pivoted. It's it's really my purpose now. I tell people like, I feel 20 years younger doing this work. Um, it's just, it's my lane and I love being in it.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That is super cool. And it and it kind of just opens up some doors for where I want to go with the interview too, because one, I didn't know about your daughter and stuff, but I wanted to kind of elaborate a little bit more on this, um, this side of things. But it's super cool to see your path to, to getting here. It's kind of cool how things can shift. And I also think that's cool for anybody who's, you know, living their life and, and they're in a career path you can pivot. Like pivoting is a good thing. Um, totally. cause look at you, you utilize that skill set and you pivoted. And, um, now you're helping people at a, at a different level and it's awesome. So I just think that's super inspiring for anybody who's like out there, you know, you, you've been in a career path for, you know, 15, 20 years, whatever it may be, you can still pivot. That's actually really cool. So, you know, The 14-year-old performance anxiety. This is something that when I when I so shout out to Eric from Sportsypreneur. I I love Eric and his whole team. They're such such good people over there. And he's the one who connected me with you. Um so so grateful for that. But as soon as he told me about you, you know, I started thinking like when I was playing sports at a young age, playing tackle football when I was little, you know, I always dealt with what they what I now know is performance anxiety. And you were talking about how your daughter, you know, performance at the plate, like you know, the anxiety at the plate you know, yeah. overthinking things, negative thoughts and so forth, you know, growing up from a young age, like if I dropped a pass, like for example, I was what they called a practice all American. And they talk, they talk about this all the mm-hmm. time in sports. People are practice all American, super good in practice. Amazing. They don't drop a ball. They don't miss a shot, whatever. They're amazing. Uh, uh-huh. but when it comes to being on the field, like for some reason, when the light's on and, and, and it's time mm-hmm. to perform, you almost forget everything. And I don't know how to, ex- I didn't know how to explain it to people. Lisa, I didn't know how to explain like when I'm out, They tell me to run a route and I'm so focused on like making the right amount of steps on that route before I cut to the inside to get inside the safety that like, I'm not even focused on catching the ball by the time of, and for some reason, everything speeds up and I wasn't able to slow things down like I did in practice. And, um, yeah, it, it, it it hit me when I was younger. It wasn't until I got older till I was able to implement a few things to to get over that. Do you see that, you know, outside your daughter, do you see that starting at a young age? Like how old are the, the, the athletes that you're seeing, starting to have these, I guess, performance anxiety issues in the world of sports?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of debate and controversy about how young do athletes start to perform at a higher level and at an elite level, and where does that desire come from? Does it come from the individual athlete themselves? Is it the pressure from a parent or parents? Is it pressure from a coach? I've learned that if the pressure comes outside of the individual athlete, it's not, the performance anxiety is higher. So with my daughter, um, she's self-selected martial arts and then now softball. And actually we have to kind of um, make sure she's not, we have to take the pressure away from herself because she gives herself so much. There's so much, pressure to achieve. And I, we have to really focus on the process versus the outcome. The, The clients I work with, the athletes, the teenage ones, it's actually the pressure from their parents and them not understanding how oftentimes performance anxiety can show up in their sport, but then anxiety in general can show up in their life. Like with homework, tests, quizzes, other ways that you have to kind of be under the gun so to speak to perform um so we really try to when i work with young people i really involve the parents because it's a whole system they they impact each other um but once they're like 19 20 21 and older they can make their own decisions and it's a little little less um pressure but then they become they feel pressure from their team their teammates the 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 lights the glitz the you know, the, the next win. Um, and it's always my thing to like, I don't care who you're, who you're playing and, and what venue you're playing in, your game is the same. You don't adjust to the level of the team that you're playing at or the venue, how big or small it is. You have your own set routines. You do your own um, routine and rituals no matter what. And you stay true to it. You don't adjust to them. You stay true to you. you your biggest competitor is yourself. And so once people realize that, then it becomes a little bit more easy and they feel like they have more control over it.
0: You know, I, I actually love what you're saying there. I can relate to that in a lot of ways as a, as a former athlete, I'm thinking to myself, you know, that was the issue. And, and that's the, that's the issue with just mental health in life, not just sports, but that's in life. I think we, we're not playing our own game and that's just a, you know, metaphorically speaking, but we're not playing our own game. We get so focused on the outside things and we forget to just focus on our game. And, and, it's funny because as a coach now, Lisa, I'll tell my players, like, just play, you know how to play the game. But I, I go back in time like, I was the same way. I was like, they're playing faster. So I got to play faster and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. And the crowd's screaming at me. So I got to pop back to the crowd and I'm doing all these things. Coaches yelling at me. In reality, just play your game. You know, you've done, you've gone through it. As long as you've practiced and prepared, you should be able to perform so long as you can get your mind in the right place. Now, I want to ask you something here to that point we can talk about it all we want. Like, Hey, just play your game, play your game. Yeah, but exactly. What are some of the tactical things you've, you've told athletes to like implement in regards to being able to do that, to get their mind in the way that they can calm down. Is there any like breathing techniques or anything that you've mm-hmm. shared that can help, uh, young athletes or athletes in general, we'll get to the, the elite athletes at, at some point too in this conversation, but anything that you can share here that might be of help.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we know breathing, you know, calms the central nervous system when you even just take one breath. And so you're telling your brain that everything's okay and that you can access what you already know. So people are like, is it kind of like a little bit too, what do they call it? Sort of fluffy and like too out there too sort of like uh, not science-based. And we just do it because it's based on Eastern medicine that we probably don't know anything about, or maybe not believe in. like no there's a lot of science behind it and there's ways that we can use the breath to calm down and stay focused and there's ways we can use the breath to actually get up for the game if you're feeling a little down or uninspired or unmotivated we can use the breath to actually motivate as well and so just teaching the athletes that they have this free resource within their own body to help impact their own um, way to think their their own physiological demeanor because it helps the heart rate slow down it helps them um, just calm and slow all the way around but one of my biggest what I love what the biggest tools and it's really easy is called imagery um, different than visualization and that imagery actually pulls on all senses not just the vision to have the athlete create what they want to experience at any part of their game so um, let's stick with softball If the athlete at the plate is struggling with the performance anxiety or um, just all overall belief, we create a imagery script that pulls from all senses. What are you feeling emotionally and physiologically? What are you seeing? What are you you hearing? And you build like a multidimensional scene that we then write a script for and they train on it so they can either write that script numerous times cuz that's the training or listen to it numerous times over the weeks or days leading up to a competition and then i've i've heard feedback from my athletes that like wait a minute wow like what i imaged happened ah. because really the brain doesn't know the difference between what you what you're imaging and the actual physical execution of it so it's like you're actually training and then they get symbiotically connected. And then you get to execute and perform the way you saw. Like everyone's different about how fast that can happen. Um, but I've seen and heard some great results around it. But that's one of my number one mental tools.
0: I love that. And I hope those listening will take notes on that. Um, it's That's super important. Super, super important. So imagery. Okay. I dig yeah. that. I like the fact that it's pulling from all senses. I've heard of visualization. Mm-hmm. I've even taken part in visualization, but imagery, I like that a lot, Lisa. Um, awesome. As we're going through, like uh, in time now, it's becoming more out in the open for these elite athletes. We've heard, you know, Simone Biles. We've seen, you know, even Kevin Love, for example, with the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot more people. Even just this last weekend, uh, wide receiver in the NFL decided he was going to take uh, a game off for, for his mental health, right? Kyrie Irving has been open yeah. and honest about his struggle so like these are public publicly mentioned um individuals who have have made a statement um from your professional standpoint it, you know people are hearing them talk about this they're like oh their mental health their mental health their mental health like is this different than an injury what happened to them to cause all this and and is it even something that's possible to fix you know uh, there's a lot of questions and even myself like I've had anxiety for like my whole life, and it's going to continue on probably. I just I know ways to manage it now, yes. um, and 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 better combat it. But it's not necessarily, in my opinion, for for my experience, I should say, it's not like when I tore my shoulder and I got surgery on my shoulder, then rehab my shoulder, and now it's good. It's something that I continuously have to work on to keep. You know, it'll keep coming back. It's like a nagging injury that just keeps coming back, like that sprained <laughs> ankle it keeps rolling. Do you see that this is like in the mental health aspect, do you feel that there's a a fix for it for when these athletes have to take a break or is this something that you have to continuously work on because it's always going to be there kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Is this a nagging thing? Just talk to me a little bit more about mental health in general, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. We've been speaking about the sport performance side and when the sport performance side, there's a training regimen and skills that are learned and utilized, it will benefit overall mental health when mental health is taken care of, just like physical health, then though your ability to, to perform in your sport is gonna increase as well. So they're both separate kind of ways of approaching it, but they both impact each other. And there's different sets of training and coursework and mentorship and exams for each side of the clinical work and then the sport performance work. So the clinical work is, is the work on, men, on mental health, making sure that it is um, as solid and as strong as possible Just like physical health, you were talking about your injury. Um, I see mental health, um, it's on a continuum. So, you know, there's, we all have mental health just like we all have physical health. And some of us are born with particular physical dispositions and in particular mental dispositions and how to understand with self-awareness what those are, knowing our family history and then knowing how they impact um, our mental health over time with stressors, how to deal with those stressors with different skills. Um so mental health um it, there's still so much stigma about it. I think that these folks who are coming out now have are are having mental health challenges or conditions that possibly could be diagnosable just like a, med, med, a medical condition or physical condition. So I really for everyone out there like To have these conversations and knowing what mental health is and what it isn't, it's not synonymous with mental illness, which has been sort of the narrative for so long. We have to try to change that. And with conversations like this, with you, Shane, with your listeners, like just bringing the education and information is really important because then they're going to be talking to their family or their friends about it and so on. And that's really the goal, right? To reach the masses, to know that you have the right information and you're not misguided. So, Mental health is not a bad thing, just like physical health isn't. And so I think these athletes that are coming out are feeling empowered to to say so, but also um, have the language that we need. Um, But it's also when it's already a mental health condition and that can be prevented and treated. And it is sort of an individual plan over time, how to keep that mental health as solid as possible and recover from a mental health challenge or condition just like you were talking about with your, your physical, um, injury. Yeah.
0: That is so insightful. I just took notes here. Mental health is not mental illness. Um, and, and then a question that came to my mind after you were talking is, do you think it's, it would be necessary? I guess just, I just would like to have your thoughts on this because we see strength and conditioning coaches all the time. And when I spoke Moad on my show before he passed away, he, he was a mental consultant. He was going to different colleges. He was working with different teams as a mental, like a mental conditioning coach. That's what he was for Russell Wilson, for the Seattle Seahawks. That's who he was. They, they had one of these, but it's not very common or at least not spoken about your thoughts on that, Lisa, in regards to like these teams, these programs, even at a young age, like clubs, all sorts of stuff. Like, do you think we need to be putting as much time and effort into having a mental conditioning coach as we do as strength and conditioning coach?
1: Absolutely. I do. I do. I I believe that whatever we might call it, a mental conditioning coach, um, sport performance consultant, a mental health specialist, I believe should be on the sideline with every other coach on the sideline during games at training sessions, not because they're going to give therapy (laughs) or something like that during the game, or it's the presence and the building of the trust and rapport with the players. That they're valued, like what I give in my role is just as valued as the goalkeeper coach, as a second assistant. That I'm there um, to get to know the guys, or for the guys to get to see me. That I'm human. That I that I have my own life. I have my own experiences, and I'm here to meet you where you're at. I'm not just going to be behind some screen or some office and waiting for you to come talk to me. Like that that's not the that's not going to work. <laughs> the guys okay. or the gals will never come. Like the, the, the team I work for, the Oakland Roots Sports Club, like there's so many ways I've needed to creatively engage them because it's new. The team has never had this. It's newish. And there's still work to be done to, to integrate me fully and to have the full support of everyone to make sure that the guys who talk to me feel comfortable um, and not sort of talked about in a negative way or like, oh, teased or whatever. Like, I think it's just as important and as visible as a person can be, the better. Um, and putting and, and each player having their own training program is key in making it individualized because every player is gonna need something different because these are humans first. You know, for them to perform on, in their sport has everything to do with who they are and their disposition and like what, what the issues are. So it's my job to get in there and to, to know the guys, um, know what their lives are like beyond the pitch and to support in the best way possible. So I I believe it's super important.
0: I love that. I would love to see that. Um, When I talk to people like you, like an expert in this field, I think it's so necessary to have that. I wish there was an investment there. I think the fear of, one, I think people are just setting their ways in, in the sports world, but two, I think there's a fear of the unknown. There's the fear of Will this even be utilized by the athletes and so forth? I I feel like it would be. However, this is where it goes into my next question. As I coach these young athletes now that are in high school, um, I'm around a lot of the high school athletes and I see their personalities. I could see this being a problem, especially the younger level where, you know, so-and-so might get made fun of, like you said, teased because they went and talked to you and the other ones might not even think that they need to have this because they're like, well, I don't battle with depression or anxiety. I'm, I'm the all-star and I do just fine or I'm just living my life. And they might be scared that the the whole con it's like this, this fear they have of, if I go talk to her, then I'm going to find out that I have all these problems that I didn't even think I had before. So I, and then I'll, then I'll get anxiety that I didn't have before. Like this, it's, it's all this stuff. How do you think we could break that Lisa? How do you think we can break that? Misconcept, I guess, just the misinterpretation of what you guys can do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it starts from the top down. If the only way someone like me is going to be successful integrating into a team situation or a school um, or a league is that everyone from the, from the, depending on the level, the owner, the athletic director, all the stakeholders from the top, Enforce and talk about the positive aspects of it, and how the athletes can access it, and and that if there's any teasing or anything that happens, that there's going to be, you know, some something to answer to there. Um, so it, it's a systemic integration of people like me, professionals like me, and that delineation again of the mental health, the clinical therapist that I am. And the sport performance consultant that I am, if if we even had one of those, because some oftentimes are two different people. If you had the sport performance consultant knowing that I found I have found that that's the 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 most common entree point into having a relationship with me is talking about their sport. Every athlete wants to be better. You know, except the recreational athlete, maybe not, but elite and above want to be better. And if I'm telling them that I can teach you some skills to help you be better and feel better and be more confident, why wouldn't you spend at least 20 minutes with me to learn a little bit? And then, if you want to go from there, that's that's your choice. But I I start with the sport performance oftentimes, and then as I get to know them as a person, their families, their situations, then I can say like, hey, you know, we can talk about that too. That must be a lot. You're doing a lot. You're a collegiate you know, athlete, you have school, you have all these, you know, workouts, training sessions, and your mom is, you know, ill. So how do you, how do you stay focused when your mom is ill and you're worrying about her on the things, the tasks at hand? So oftentimes it's a sport performance, that's the in and then the mental health. Um, But the, the higher ups need to know the difference and be able to explain that as well, or invite me in to explain early on, so that, the the guys or the gals know how to access me, know what's confidential and know what's going to be said and what's not.
0: So I I like that. And it's, it's super important. I hope those listening, I do have those people who listen, who actually have, at least here in Idaho have some positions of authority when it comes to like the districts of the schools and so forth. Just take note of that. It's not, it's not meant to be disrespectful or shoving it in your face, but just take note of that. It's super important. Um, Unfortunately, the reality is like I've seen at least as like, especially the high school level, like, you know, certain athletic directors, like they, they just get, you know, they get in a routine of what they've known for so long. And it is hard. But once you can break that and show them your trust, and they, they understand what you're doing, they typically are super, you know, receptive of that. And and, and it's and they're accepting, I should say, and it's super cool. So hopefully, this is something that can happen more frequently as more and more athletes start to come out with this stuff, saying, hey, how important it is. And I want i wish we had more trainings on it i wish there was just more focus on it even at the the public school system like talking about your mental health talking about the importance of having like a training program athletes can relate to that like having a training program for your mental health just like you have a strength and conditioning program hey i'm gonna run sprints this day i'm gonna do power cleans this day well what are we doing for our mental health the same thing building them together because when you have that imbalance eventually it will break eventually it will break And, and that's the and sometimes people can mask it for a long time a very long time, but eventually it will break. If you don't keep it balanced, the same as anything in your body. Um, that's right. I, I just, uh, I I hope that this is a change that can be made, uh, going forward. Now I do want to ask you this for any athlete that's, that's playing, uh, competing in their sport, especially these like big time athletes. I don't know what the solution is necessarily other than getting the help they need, but what is it going to take? Lisa, do you think to, to be able to implement these things, to get to these, these authoritative figures to, to get people, even at the professional level, what is it going to take? I heard you and Eric talking about it, like a potential, like, Hey, I'm not going to play in the Super Bowl, like the extremes that could potentially happen. But what do you think it will take for this to become a more, I mean, I, I feel like we're progressing, but sometimes I'm like, we're still not there yet at all. Like we're so far away from this. So, yeah. I, what do you think it will take to get to the point where we take this stuff seriously? It is it going to take a certain amount? Is it going to take something drastic? Is it going to take a certain amount of athletes, certain type of athlete? Because we've already had big names out there doing certain things to bring awareness, and then it's like, okay, on to the next thing. That's the storyline for this week, but then next week it's something else, and then we forget about it. So, I just want to know what your thoughts are. What's it going to take?
1: I mean, it's a great question. I don't have all the answers. I definitely have thoughts. I mean, I think. When the a lot of these athletes who have come forward have their own personal experiences or have family members who have had um deep struggles and have even died from suicide um, to then rally and try to advocate and be a voice for mental health. If I'm gonna look at that as a as sort of a pattern or dynamic, I feel like it's almost like these higher ups need to have a personal experience of it. If their, if their athlete is not personal enough, like what would it be? Right. Um, Because right now this is a, this is an optional, it's, it's optional to care about it. Right. Right now. And there's still a lot of naysayers and people who don't believe in it because I don't think they understand it. You know, there was a time when nutritionists weren't valued in sports. Um, you know, where sports psychologists who who are about the sport performance side weren't valued or seen as, you know, oh, they're just going to shrink my brain or they're just going to they're just going to coddle the athletes and not actually help them be m- mentally more resilient, but give them permission to be weak. So there's all of these stigmatized types of old school thinking, uninformed thinking around what someone like me and my colleagues are able to do and how we can help. I think training and education is a really good point. I've actually partnered with um, a program called the Cutler Wellness Programs. And we've actually even um, have contracts with the NAIA and the junior colleges nationwide to provide mental health education to athletic trainers, coaches, as well as the athletes themselves. So they all understand. Um, and so I'm the clinical arm of that program. And so we're just trying to take it state by state, one athlete at a time, one school at a time. And then it's just the the word is gonna spread just like with anything else, word of mouth or like, oh yeah, I got this help or I saw this person and this is how it helped me. and People trying it, having the courage to just have a conversation with someone like me and my colleagues in my profession. There's nothing, no shame in it. It's a conversation just like we're having. Um, so if people understand that, because they also think like, oh, all, all therapists are old white guys, you know, and I'm a young African American football player from the inner city. How is that white dude gonna understand anything about me? And so my company, along with Cutler Wellness programs called AF. Mindset is trying to grow um, practitioners every state that are cult- culturally and racially representative of the athletes, um, because that that's a big problem as well. The relatability, the the understanding that that can I trust you type of thing. So I, I'm I'm patient. I mean, that's one of my skills I have to practice. Um, and I really have to be like, you know, like I said, one day at a time, one athlete at a time, and it's going to be, it's going to continue to grow and it and it will like the fact that I'm even here talking to you about this is, is speaks to that.
0: hundred percent. And I love that, that you are patient and I, I hope that it doesn't take something drastic for people to start catching on. I do think though, like what you're doing is the right stuff. You're getting on the right platforms. You're getting the word out there, but I love that you're, you know, I have really good ties to the NAIA school here, college of Idaho. Here in, okay. in Idaho, right? So I've got a lot of ties here to the, the head coach of their basketball program, for example, a good friend of mine, and and uh, and the junior college here in Idaho called College of Southern Idaho, one of the top ju- junior college basketball programs in the entire country. Got a lot of ties there. Like I think there's a lot of like, you know, uh, I guess a lot of positive, you know, potential there if if you, if you want to call it that. If you go to those types of schools and you start there, because they will get the the word out. Those are yeah. that that will help. So I love hearing that you're you're starting at those levels with the Cutler Wellness Program. Um, super, super cool. Super cool. What you're doing, you're doing the right things. It's just a matter of, okay, now we've got to get it out there. And hopefully it doesn't take something drastic from, from owners and anything like that. But I do love the the points that you made. Relatability is huge. There's a lot of athletes out there that don't feel like they they go to a counselor, for example, and they're like, well, they don't know my lifestyle. I'm not going to trust them. Once we break through those types of things, uh, big, big movements can happen. Big time movements can happen.
1: Relatability on the sort of racial ethnic piece, but also the athlete specific understanding of what their day to day life is at different parts of the season, like preseason, in season and postseason. So I have experience working with the Oakland Roots to be able to bring that, you know, I'm on the road every weekend with my daughter, like I know that demand and her demand, Um, you know, so I learn a lot from my athletes too, which I'm really grateful for. Um, that I can then use to help other athletes along the way. So that athlete understanding is is, is super important, and that's what Ath mindset is going to be about. Is like I would like to have an Ath mindset practitioner in every state in this country, um, doing the work, serving, helping, um, and they're going to be trained um, by myself <laughs> <laughs> um, on the specific aspects of the athlete experience if they don't already have that experience as a practitioner themselves so it's super important
0: I love it I love that and uh yeah all you need is a sales funnel to get everything out there there's me pitching my click funnels to you get a sales funnel out there to start pitching your your uh, training programs to other people to get that out to the masses um, anyway I what what I wanted to ask is this as a parent Lisa okay what can we do as parents? One of my biggest fears right now, I still compete in basketball, just the city league level. I'm 33 years old now. So my days are over of like competing at the school level. Right. But I love to play. I still play train as hard as I possibly can to try to compete at a higher level, the highest that I can possibly compete. But when it comes to my kids, that's a fear I have. Will mm-hmm. they have the anxiety that I had when I was playing sports, if they choose to play. And then as a parent, do I want to be one of those parents that's, you know, demanding how do I want to be? Cause I'm a coach as well right now. And I see that, pressure from certain parents. And I also see the lackadaisical effect that it can have if parents are completely disconnected from their kids and their athletic journey and how that can have a negative effect. Mm-hmm. So what would your um, advice be a uh, brief advice? Obviously this is the free advice. Uh, if they want paid advice, they can, can obviously go to you, but what would be <laughs> the, the brief advice that you would give to parents that are out there that are maybe in my situation and they have kids that are competing right now and how can they help with the mental health side of things if their kids are battling with this type of stuff like you and, and your daughter how can they help or what's some advice you give them? Well, I
1: think that I think people need to understand that just because someone has anxiety, that doesn't mean that's like the end right. We under we can name it and understand that there's anxiety there and then there's lots of ways to you know address it and respond to it with tools skills, um, perspectives, a mindset um, So it's not the end of the world if you or your kid has anxiety. I just want to say that out loud. It's not like doomsday or the end of the end of it for your career or whatever. Like we don't we don't want to be worried about that. We want to be actually happy and fortunate that we can name it. And then that just guides like what the next steps will be to help manage it and help it actually potentially work for you and or diminish the impact so that you can still perform at the level that you want. So I, I don't want parents to be like, oh, my kid is anxious. And shoot, maybe we should pull him from sports. That's exactly what sport performance specialists do, is deal with that. So that's one thing. I think as a parent, I'm always, you know, whenever she comes back from a training session or a tournament or a game or in between games at tournaments, I'm like, babe, did you have fun? Yeah, that was so fun when I did it. When she answers back to me, no, that wasn't fun, then that's an issue. Because no one's going to really perform at their highest if they're not having fun. That doesn't mean you can't be competitive. You can be competitive and have fun. You know, fun isn't just for the recreational athlete. Right. Like you should enjoy it. Playing, being with your teammates, traveling, eating with each other, you know, all the things that happen on and off the field. Um, that It should be fun or else something's not right. And then that's when we kind of address like, well, what's going on there? And that's, again, where a sport performance specialist or a clinician can come in and to help. I think coaches and parents both need to realize that, you can't have your young athletes fulfill any fantasies that you wish you had, you had fulfilled when you were younger. Don't project and put that on your kid or your team. If you're a coach and don't have a kid on the team, that's, that's not fair. <laughs> and it's not theirs to be doing for you. you got to, I think the best coach is a self-aware coach. The best parent is a self-aware parent, knowing why you're saying what you're doing, knowing why you're coaching. And being clear about that and transparent with your team and, and dealing with your own shortcomings or athletic trauma separately. So you can be the best available adult to those athletes and developing them as the humans that they are. And, and successful coaches also don't do cookie cutter approaches. They get to know each of their athletes individually and know what, what coaching style works best for them. And then, um, execute that like some some players do well with being yelled at like that gets them like oh yeah coach i'm gonna yes or some are like eh, like like they shy away from that and then underperform or are scared to make a mistake so you have to learn learn your athletes and learn what what approach is best just like as a parent learn your kid i have two kids their approaches are different so learning that and being open and putting your ego to the side
0: basically so Awesome. I was taking notes here as you're talking. I just love the stuff that you're saying, Lisa. I am like, I geek out on this kind of this kind of thing. And it's huge <laughs> for me as a parent and as a coach. So I'm like, I, I already know what I'm going to be telling some of my other coaches that I, that I work with and stuff. I, I just love this. Uh, best coach awesome is a self-aware fan. coach. Best awesome. parent is a, a self-aware parent. Beautiful, beautiful. Lisa, tell the audience where we can find you. Le- LinkedIn, do you have any websites where we can find you that you're allowed to talk about? I don't know. Like, Just let us know where we can find you so we can put it here in the description if there is somewhere.
1: Yeah, totally. My website is athmindset.io. Um, I'm also on the Oakland Roots sports club website, oaklandrootssc.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn under my name, Lisa Bontasumi. Um, I tweet, so I'm there too, and I'm on Instagram, and I'm doing a series of talks on athlete mental health on Clubhouse, mm. and I'm doing sponsored series. So, if any business wants to, you know, um, get their name out, especially with the holidays coming, you want to sponsor some rooms on this very, very important topic, you can contact me and we can make it happen. I love supporting businesses, um, and just keeping these conversations going. So, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And I just have to say, shout out to the roots, they are in the playoffs, um, in the USL um this is their first season in the usl they just got promoted to it and we started off really with a lot of adversity and now you know we're making history as a club in our town of oakland california and it's just awesome to be a part of and to see these guys just grow on the field and off is awesome
0: that is so cool that should be a whole nother episode in and of itself learning about the oakland roots i i love talking about these these clubs that are you know on the people will just forget about them. No, there's some really good athletes on these clubs. I wish people like knew more about them, but shout out to the Oakland roots. That's super, super cool. And the USL, like I want people to know more about that league too. Like some people don't realize there that's got some good athletes that people don't realize exist. And I hate that. I hate when like sport, the casual sports fan just doesn't realize that. Oh, they just discredit it because it's not the, you know, the, the major top dog leagues and everything. No, that's, that's amazing. So shout out to the Oakland roots. That's so, so cool. We'll make sure. I'm going to have to go do some research, finding all these like links for all your stuff. You're on every platform. And I think that's fantastic. You can't get rid of Lisa. She's everywhere. So wherever you go, she's going to be there. So, and the clubhouse thing, I think that's fantastic. I, I can't wait to put that out there too. Sponsored series. Um, I love the fact that you're on clubhouse. That's such a, a powerful tool nowadays. You're utilizing social media for the right reasons. I think it's fantastic. So, yes.
1: I mean, Eric, yeah. Eric's helped me with all that. I mean, clubhouse, I went on, you know, during the pandemic and, made a lot of great connections i think it's a great platform for networking and then you choose to use it the way you want but it's just another free way accessible way for people to keep being involved in these these conversations and asking their questions and getting the information and and the education around it so you know i like accessibility anyone who has a phone can get on there now so
0: i love that i absolutely love it now i was going to wrap this up i just have one question left for you lisa that yeah. came to my mind right now that I actually had noted and I forgot to ask you, but now mm-hmm. that we're talking about it, I have to ask before we wrap it up social media. We're talking about social media. Social media can play such a big part in the, the positive benefits. I, we encourage athletes to work on their branding. Now that the name image and likeness of collegiate athletes is allowed, you can mm-hmm. brand yourself and do all these cool things. But as we all know, or most of us should know by now, there is a negative side of, to, to the social media aspect. It can provide an immense amount of anxiety due to, competition due to comparisons of your life to another person's life and so forth and in sports it's no different someone's posting highlights oh i'm not that good i don't even have somebody i don't even have access to these types of videos to to put on my page this that and the third social media the impact talk to us about the impact it has on the athletes that you've worked with like that you've seen and maybe talk to us about how athletes could go about their social media stuff because it is important but like, how do we navigate that to make sure it's not overwhelming for these athletes growing up?
1: Yeah, totally. Especially it's now that, that they are, have the ability to make impact at a younger age. And that just adds to the pressure of performing. And, you know, I'll, I'll even talk about, I hope he doesn't mind my godson. Um, he plays for Notre Dame basketball team. And, you know, his parents and I have been like, you got to get on social meetings. Like, I don't like talking about myself. That's not being humble is what he's thinking, right? It's like, like, why am I going to up myself? I'm no better than anyone else. And I love that about him. Um, And so there are platforms like Esportspreneur that can help with that, that can help um, create and curate a way to, to be present on social media that is designed by the parents and the athlete alike so that what you're putting out there represents yourself, your team, your school, and your family. Appropriately, so having some thought there, it's it's part when you post, it's your brand that you're representing, and what kind of brand do you want that to be? And a brand is just who you are as a human. Like, how do you want people to know you? I think there has to be some oversight and education around how it might be that not everyone's going to like you, not everyone's going to agree with you, and how to respond to that. I mean, I work with my athletes sometimes with mental skills just about how to respond to to some of the comments that they receive, because depending on the athlete, that can cut deep and Uh affect affect their confidence, affect um, how they feel about themselves, things like that. And we want to mitigate that impact as much as possible. So if you are going to be present on social media, be conscious about what you write, what you comment on, how you comment on it. Um, and then take it for a grain of salt. you know, when you get you know, a, a not so good post or comment in return, that doesn't define you. Like it doesn't define who you are, your social media presence. You're so much more um, and re- recognize that. To be on social media, there has to be a vision and a goal as to why you're there. And once that's designed, then I think it makes it'll make more sense and you're able to see what's valuable and let go of the rest
0: oh that was gold like boom i hope those listening rewind it boom listen to that last like two and a half minutes you're solid the vision the goal once that's like once you have that established then it helps with everything um with i mean it's not going to be the say i'll do all but that will help immensely if you just have that established lisa you have been phenomenal um, I just want to say thank you once again for joining us and sharing your, your knowledge with us. And I'll have all the links here in the description so people know where to find you. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for uh, joining the show and sharing your story with us.
1: Thanks so much, Shane. I really appreciate it. I mean, if if, if one person walks away learning something new, then I feel super satisfied and accomplished. So I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your audience and continue to have these conversations. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> perfect, right at time. For, that was a phone call, so it's perfect, perfect timing. Sorry about
1: that. I'm like, what?
0: Hey, this okay. is this is beautiful. Hey, no, that's perfectly perfectly timed, and that's the beauty of recording these shows. Is this stuff happens, and we we love it. Everybody's got full time full time work to get going, and, and and so I'll get you back to your, your day for all those listening. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the show. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and hey, subscribe because we'll be coming to you next week with another interview.